Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. church. I hope you're doing well today. I hope you're doing well there in Avon. We love you so much over there and uh, our online family too. Just super thankful. This is a great season to be together. We're, we're doing this series called A Life-Giving Christmas and the heart behind it really is just to speak some life, breathe some life into you in a, a season where there's a lot of uh, stuff to celebrate but can also be kind of stressful. And so um, if you would just maybe receive some encouragement today. Honestly, quite simply, that's my heart, that's our heart for you today. I believe God's got something, whether you've been walking with him for a really long time or you go, you know what, I don't really think I have a relationship with him. I believe that he's got something just to encourage you deep down today, if you'd receive it. You stop and think about just how much that there is in our day-to-day that creates a distance between you and God, just just think about it for a second. I mean, there are so many things that, that the enemy uses to try to pry you away. He expends the enemy so many resources to try to, to separate you from the love of God and the grace of God. He tries to you separate any sense that you should have a relationship with God. I mean, he, he really does his best to create a sense in you that you'll never be worthy of being in a relationship with God. He does his best work creating this, this feeling that you're beyond reach somehow, that God doesn't want anything to do with you, that your past is always going to weigh you down and and zero you out when it comes to being used by God. That's what the enemy would love for you to believe and swallow hook, line, and sinker. But can I tell you that there's, there's nothing further from the truth? There's a, there's a lady that lived in a particular moment in history, in Old Testament history, named Rahab. And this is a woman that is phenomenal. She's a hero of mine. And, and all we need to know about Rahab we could learn by the city that she lived in and where she lived in this city. You can read the account on your own maybe sometime this week, but in Joshua, in the Old Testament, in chapter two, we learn about Rahab. And we learn that she lived in the city called Jericho, which was found in Canaan, the promised land, and it was a fortified city. And like a lot of fortified cities back in that day, uh, they were built around these concentric circles of walls of protection. Here's a rendering of what Jericho might have looked like. And there were these walls that were built in concentric circles, and in the center of the city is where the most powerful people, the most influential people, the wealthiest people lived in the center of the city, and they had a wall built around them. And then the next ring out would be maybe more like the middle class, not quite as influential, not 
quite as wealthy, not quite as powerful. And then there would be a wall around them. And there'd be another ring out where this is where the poorer people lived and the least influential, the least of these. And then the outer wall of the city. So the people in the center were the most protected because they were seen as the most valuable and the ones that were seen as the least valuable, the least influential, the least wealthy were on the outside. Guess where Rahab lived? On the outside. In fact, the likelihood is that Rahab's house or shack rather, the back wall of her shack was probably the the actual outer wall of the city itself. And then we find in scripture that she had a particular profession uh, of being a prostitute. And, and so now you couple her, her station in life, her role in life, and we start to get a picture of, of Rahab herself. Yes, perhaps these, these poor sinful choices compounded with poor circumstances Rahab had a past. Where she lived tells us a lot about her. She's on the outside. She's not on the inside. She's poor. She's not rich. She's pushed out. She's not in the middle. She's subject and prone to attack. She's subject and prone to uh, abuse. People would go to her when they wanted something from her. That was probably the sum total of Rahab's existence. And yet, she'd heard stories. Rahab had heard stories about the character and nature of God. And if you read her account, you'll, you'll find kind of this amazing testimony that she has. She's aware of the Lord God and what he's capable of and, and is for him and aware of him. Well, it turns out that God is now orchestrating it that his people, the Israelites, are going to take the city. And they send two spies in. And the spies go in to spy out the city and scope out the situation, and they happen to spy out the city first, right next to Rahab's house. And she takes them in. And she hides them. And people find out that spies have infiltrated the city, and then she detours her own people a different direction and buys time for the spies to, to get out. She sides with them. And in exchange, they make an arrangement. They make an arrangement when the Israelites come in to take the city, that Rahab and her family, whoever she brings inside her little shack with this cord, this red cord hanging in the window, they will be spared. And sure enough, that's what happens. In Joshua chapter six, verse 25, it says this, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent spies as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And what, what is such an amazing picture of this woman that was broken down and beat up and sinful and, and pushed out. We, we, we close her little picture here with her being pulled in, pulled in com to community, pulled into the people of God. 
don't tell me that God doesn't have a place for you. He does. He's orchestrating all the time things that would allow people who are far off to be pulled in. That's the story of Rahab. It's really the story of the gospel, of the good news of who Jesus Christ is and why he does what he does. Why are we talking about a woman in the Old Testament in a Christmas series? Well, I'll tell you why. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew. Go to chapter one. Now we're in the New Testament. And in Matthew chapter one, right at the beginning, we're getting a genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is the family line of Jesus. And the the promise has been that God was gonna send a savior, a rescue, a Messiah. And he was gonna come through a certain line of people through Abraham, through King David, all the way up. And now to to show the fulfillment of prophecy, we get this genealogy. And I'll tell you what, this is life-changing. I mean, some of you are gonna walk away. These are gonna be your, your new life verse right here. Listen, okay? Matthew chapter one, verse one. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Listen. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon. Isn't that good? Isn't that life changing? <laughs> Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Look, whose mother was Rahab. Oh. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. You keep reading through the genealogy and it lands at verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Here's the family tree of Jesus Christ. Here's the lineage of Jesus Christ. And grafted into the family tree of Jesus is a non-Jewish prostitute. Don't tell me you're beyond reach of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me your past has excluded you from being in a relationship with God. Don't tell me God doesn't want anything to do with you. He takes people who are far off, who've made a whole bunch of poor choices, who by the world standards shouldn't belong, shouldn't fit in, and says, I made you, I loved you, I've died for you, I want you to be a part of my family. Come on in. That's the story of the gospel, the good news. And he did it with Rahab. He grafted her in. This woman that, yeah, she probably had a rough story. And then she made her own sinful choices that contributed to that. It's just like us, right? We're all unhealthy. We are. 
We're like trees in that regard, you know? Here's a picture of a tree. And you've got the tree on one side that has unhealthy roots. And when we are rooted in ourselves, or we're rooted in our culture, or we're rooted in anything actually except Jesus Christ, then we ourselves will produce unhealth. It's Jesus' line in Luke chapter six is a bad tree produces bad fruit. And that is the case. When we are rooted in anything other than Jesus, then our behavior that comes out, our words that come out, our thought, like you name it, is not gonna be healthy. But when we're rooted in Jesus, we can be healthy. But the brokenness of this world that we've inherited, the curse of sin on us, is that we're all unhealthy. We are an unhealthy mess. Can we laugh for just a second about how unhealthy we are? We're really, really unhealthy. You want some proof? KFC has a sandwich called the Double Down. That's the Double Down. What is that? Is that a tongue hanging out the side of that? What is that? That's a chicken sandwich, and instead of bread, it's chicken. Fried chicken with chicken in the middle, with chicken on the other side, with cheese and bacon and gravy. I looked it up. It's 1,800 calories per bite. That's unhealthy. Oh, the KFC double down. I know why they named that. You take one bite and you double over and you're down. You're down. That's it. You buy the combo. They give you an IV drip and heart shocker paddles come with that. That's the double down. We're unhealthy. We created that thing. Somebody thought that was a good idea. We're goofy. We are so goofy. When, when I was growing up, uh, there was something goofy called Hooked on Phonics. Oh, I tell you what I like about Hooked on Phonics. It's the phone number. 1-800-A-B-C-D-E-F-G. That was the phone number. And it was to help kids that couldn't read very well learn how to read. They would learn by phonics. But I'm watching the commercial. Goofy mom on the commercial. And the goofy mom, she says, oh, I was just so worried. I was so sad. Johnny just wasn't able to read as well as he should have at that age. But she said, I saw that commercial then for Hooked on Phonics. But I must have written down that phone number a thousand times. <laughs> it's the alphabet, ma'am. Maybe it's not Johnny that has the problem, ma'am. Maybe it's you. We're goofy. We're messed up. No joke, I drove past the place. There was a porta potty outside. There was a sign in the porta potty that said, Capacity 10 people. No wonder they smell so bad. I've been going in alone all this time. Could have brought nine of my friends in there with me. 10 people. I'm goofy. I was reading my deodorant bottle the other day because I'm weird. And on the back of my deodorant bottle, no joke, it said for underarm use only. Is that really necessary? What are people going around? That's tasty. We're messed up. 
We're broken. I went down to work with some orphan kids in Mexico, and we're playing with these orphan kids, and I don't know what's wrong with me. This little voice said, said you need to kind of have fun and mess up these kids a little bit. And they were freaking out because they'd never seen an Adam's apple this large in their country before. They're walking up to me, all pointing, going, oh, que es esto, que es esto, what is this? Pointing at my Adam's apple. You see 40 orphan kids walking at you like a zombie going, oh, que es esto, que es esto. You'll freak out. They began to paw at my throat, que es esto, que es esto. And I said, tengo una manzana en mi garganta. I have an apple stuck in my throat. And they went, oh. <laughs> One of my friends who's also messed up, heard me say that, and they went around behind my back and they put a real apple in my hand. And with 40 little orphan kids tugging at my throat, I started to go, and I threw the apple on the ground, and they all went, oh! What is wrong with me? I'm messing with orphan kids. Something's broken in here and here. And yet, I, I wish that I could stand here and say that the worst thing ever done is, is mess around with some orphan kids, but it's not. Probably like you, I'd be tremendously horrified if this screen behind me began to play some of the worst moments of regret and sin in my life. And by all accounts, God should want nothing to do with me, but he loves me anyway. When I'm far off, when I don't have a God thought going through my brain, God has orchestrated and planned to pull me in close, to rescue me, to save me. See, it would be bad news if we were all broken down and that was the end of the story, but the good news is this. Regardless of our past, God will rescue us and God will redefine us. That's the good news. And that's why Jesus came he came to rescue us from sin. And then he also came to redefine us. When Rahab got rescued out of the city of Jericho and into the Israelite family, she also got a whole new identity. And when you get saved, when you get rescued, when you put your faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, then you're freed and forgiven, you're rescued from sin, but then he also speaks a new thing about you. He, he can speak things into being. You know that? He says, let there be light, and then there's light. He, he says, let the skies appear, and the skies appear. He, he can look at you, and he can speak something true about you, just like that, and that is what is true about you. And so in that regard, I would love to ask you this question. Who are you? Really? Who are you really? If I asked you, who are you? And you couldn't answer by telling me your age, your gender, your marital status. You couldn't answer how much money you made, what grade you're in, where you work. You couldn't answer with what you enjoy doing, your hobbies, your talents, your gifts, your abilities. Then what would you tell me? Who are you, really? What's your real identity? Is your identity just your past? Is it your failures? 
Is your identity your successes? Is your identity tied to your bank account? Is your identity tied to what you do? Is who you really are what you feel about you? Is who you really are maybe what others say about you or what everybody else thinks about you? What if who you really are is what God says about you? What if that's your real identity? Well, I think it begs the question, how does God see me then? What does God say about you? How does he see you? Who are you really in God's eyes when you have a relationship with Jesus? Because if you got a relationship with him, then I wanna tell you how he sees you. And if you don't have a relationship with him, when you step into him, this is how he's gonna see you. If you have your Bible, turn to Titus. Titus is a little letter that Paul wrote to kind of a son in the faith named Titus, encouraging him. It would be a great study even for leadership within the church. But Titus is kind of near the end of your Bible. If you're not real familiar, probably quicker to go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you'll find this book of Titus. Short little letter, Titus chapter three. Look at verses three through seven. What we're gonna see here are uh, some words about how God sees us, uh, who we were before Jesus got a hold of us, contrasted to who we are once Jesus gets a hold of us, right? Beautiful verses here. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's what we're kind of prone to, drawn to. If we're rooted only in ourself, then this is the fruit that's gonna come out of us. It's gonna be a lot of unhealthy junk. But, verse four, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the, look, washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been, here's another big word, justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Here's a couple words for your list of who are you really. If you got a relationship with Christ, then who you are is washed, who you are is justified, who you are is an heir, a co-heir with Christ. And that is some healthy things. Now you look back at the tree and this is the tree rooted in Jesus. And you're in some deep roots that are rooted into your creator, your maker. You're tapped into the truth. You're tapped into an unlimited source of grace and mercy in Jesus. And he's constantly speaking truth into you, and that is bearing a whole different sort of fruit. It's healthy fruit now that's coming out. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These fruits of the Spirit come when you're tapped into that Spirit of Jesus. You're washed. That's true about you. You're justified. That's true about you. You're an heir. That's true about you. In other words, you might phrase it this way. In the family tree of Jesus, you are clean, you're clean. Hello? That deserves a right honor, an amen, or a woohoo. You're clean. Okay, some of you came in, and that's all you need to hear based on your past or your journey so far, because where the enemy draws you back to is your past constantly. And he's whispering or screaming, or everybody else is trying to remind you of constantly the mistakes and the junk and the dirt. But the truth that Jesus says about you is, because of what he did for you, he has now washed you. You're clean, you're forgiven, you're freed. You're not dirty. That's true about you. Some of you, that's all you needed to hear from God today because of Jesus. You're not dirty, you're clean. That's true. Some of you need to hear that you're, you're justified or you're blameless. Justified means that you are made just or you're made right. You're righteous. You are righteous. You're blameless. You're free from accusation. You're without blemish. You are holy. That's true about you. Not because of anything you did, because of what Jesus did for you, what he gave to you. He gave you his righteousness, and you are made right. It's not that just you are not dirty. It's not just you're not something. You are also something, and that something is you are righteous, you're blameless, you're holy. He has made you good. That deserves a right honor, amen. You can do it in your heart. It doesn't need to be out loud. I just need to know it's going on. So kind of a headbutt or headbutt, that's fine. You can headbutt me all you want. Um, head nod is what I was going for there. Um, you're, you're clean, you're blameless. That's true, that's true about you. Please receive that. When you step into a relationship with Jesus, he speaks this over you, and the other stuff is no longer true, and this new stuff is true. You're clean and blameless. That's your identity. Somebody asks you the question, who are you? Well, there's a couple things right there. I I'm clean. I'm blameless. I'm washed. I'm justified. I've been made right. You got your ID, you can look at your ID later. This is my Indiana driver's license right here. I, I made one up for myself. <laughs> I made one up. And so now my name, your name, you could steal this. This is your name too. Ron, not dirty, Merrill. That's my name. Ron, clean, Merrill. And I happen to live on 167 Righteous Lane. That's where I live. That's where you live. When you get out your driver's license or your school ID next, look at that and, and smile, knowing that because of Jesus, what's true about you, your identity is, you are clean, you are forgiven, you are righteous, 
You know who you are. You know where you reside. This is the real you. This is the true you. Get a laugh out of it, but then be encouraged by it anytime you need to show your identification. Don't let the enemy tell you who you are because he's a liar. Look often at the word. Look often into the eyes of Jesus. Listen for the voice of Jesus. He'll tell you who you are. You're his. You are clean, you are blameless, and you're also an heir of his. You're adopted. You're his kid. You want another thing for who you are? You're his kid. You're adopted into his family. You're an heir to all that he's got planned for you in the future. That's a good thing. That's a phenomenal thing. You've been adopted as his kid into his family because of the person and work in Jesus. When you put your faith and trust in him, when you repent of your sin and turn to face Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. You're adopted into his family and you'll live with his people for the rest of your days in his presence. You're adopted. And he loved to adopt you. Remember, remember little orphan Annie? The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. The super annoying little girl, but, but she had a great story. <laughs> Here's this, this orphan Annie who was in awful circumstances in a horrible house filled with this, this awful woman that was running the place. And she gets pulled out of being an orphan and brought into Daddy Warbuck's home where now all the resources of her daddy are hers. This is me and you with our heavenly daddy. We were orphaned and subject to whatever the world was gonna throw at us or say about us or do to us. But through the person of Jesus, he came on a rescue mission to grab us and adopt us into his family steal us back from the enemy, pull us from the clutches of sin and death and make us an heir of all the riches of heaven and all the beauties of grace that God has for me and you as his kid. This is what's true about me and you. I hope that just gives you a little bit of life today. You turn down the volume knob on what you think about you or what other people say about you. Crank up the volume on what Jesus has said about you. Don't minimize the person and the work of Jesus, what he's done, by thinking of yourself less than he thinks of you. If you don't have a relationship with him, well, he sees the sin there and your relationship with him is not intact. But he doesn't wanna leave you that way. And so that's why Jesus came, to show us the best way to live. And then he came to go to the cross to take care of the sin that was separating us from him. And now when you and I put our faith and trust in him, and we ask for that forgiveness and cleansing, he washes us. And we hand Jesus our sin and he hands us his righteousness. And then he adopts us into the family. You are clean. You are blameless. 
you are adopted. If you're not a Christian, you can be clean. You can be blameless and righteous. And you can be adopted into his family because of the person and the work of Jesus. These are all things offered as a free gift. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it. But he offers it up freely. And I just leave you with this last little thought. If you think of yourself differently, then God thinks of you. I'll tell you this right now. One of you is mistaken. And it's not him. And so, would you allow him to speak right into your heart who you really are? And then let's go live out and become who he says we already are. That's the gospel at work. And so gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are life, that you came to give us life and life more abundant. I pray for those that are here that feel like they're on the outside, that feel like they are beyond reach, that they're unworthy in some manner of being in relationship with you or your love. I pray that those people would feel you in a full-on sprint for them right now. Wrap them up in your arms. If that's you here, you just have an honest conversation with Jesus just right where you are. You just say, God, please forgive me of my sin. I want to be pulled in. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And he will. And then he'll speak something new about you. He'll say, I'm washing you. You are clean and forgiven. I'm giving you my righteousness and my holiness. And you're now my heir. You're an heir to the kingdom of almighty God. I'm adopting you as my kid. I pray for the rest that are here that are just already in relationship with you but struggle with the lies of the enemy speaking louder. Lord, you triumph over that right now and you speak right to their heart, right to their mind and bolster their spirit and their soul. overwhelm them with just how much you think of them, how much you love them, how much mercy and grace is available and evident and what is really true about their identity in you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.